The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up, Huddle up. with Bucky Brooks, <laughs> J.P. Shatter, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything's got to be about the future. It's got to be about tomorrow and bringing all that into focus as we, you know, attack the season. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up podcast. Today is Tuesday. Wait a minute. Yes, it's Tuesday, April 26th. J.P. Shadrick with NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks, Jaguars.com senior writer John Osher. Subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network and give us a listen on the podcast page at Jaguars.com or on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is Tuesday. We've shifted the schedule around a little bit, John, for a drive time tomorrow on Wednesday with Brian Sexton in Las Vegas, and we're getting ready for Thursday night and round one of the NFL drafts. We moved this podcast, John, to Tuesday. Happy yeah, Tuesday. It's important to get uh, Vegas Sexton on from, uh, you know, or uh, Brian Sexton on from Vegas. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a crazy week, so you adjust things accordingly. Most importantly, though, we have Starbucks Bucky on, on the podcast. Yeah. And I think, I think that uh, easily trumps everything else. Star Bucky. Oh, uh, I mean, like, I'm, I'm glad. I didn't even know we could we could uh, solicit or, or list an unpaid sponsor. But yeah, like, I like to have my little um, beverage before we we come out there. Like, we can't mention it until we get a little a little coin for there. Like, we can't give them free. Ads. He'll be rolling in here on Thursday, right? right? That's right. Uh, Cal- I am. California Bucky is coming east. That's right. California Bucky is coming east. I'm coming east. I won't have uh, a latte in hand, but I will have a yoga mat rolled up. <laughs> Looking to get a little a little limber, a little bendy on the beach, baby, as we get ready for a big weekend. You know, this is my favorite time of year, and this is my favorite thing. I get to do it in Jayville. This is going to be awesome. That's With the number huge, one pick? Huge. All, yeah. Huge. Yeah. I mean, absolutely huge. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, you know, Friday after the pre-draft luncheon, they said they were down to four players under consideration for number one overall and now over the weekend different reports i'm using air quotes reports come out that there's different names and every report seems to be a different name of those four that we think are the top four candidates they're considering but bucky is this normal i mean is should people freak out it seems like people are freaking out over this right now uh i think there's natural to have a little freak out, but I think the draft class makes it where it's one that you kind of want to freak out about. If there was a clear and unquestioned number one player in this draft class, a guy that we would perceive to be a generational talent, then you wouldn't have the freak out ability. Normally those generational talents that we talk about kind of tend to come in the, the form of a quarterback or a pass rusher, something in that like. In this year's draft, we have what I call a bunch of very good players, but I don't know if we have that 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 player that we talk about changing the game, revolutionizing the position when he steps into the league. Um, and looking at something that I did, in most instances, you have anywhere from 18 to 24 guys that were rate out as a first-round pick. For me, I have 18 guys that rate out as first-round picks. And I would say eight of those guys kind of fall into the category of the elite. And so when you think about the elites – being such a small number, it makes it hard when you're trying to also figure out value and need. For the Jaguars, the approach really centers around the direction that they want to go before you even think about the player. Do I want to continue to build up the offensive line 
and put a fortress in front of my generational talent and Trevor Lawrence, or do I want to find a way to help my defense? Because if we say that defense wins championships, we need to start adding blue chip players on that side of the ball. This conversation is compounded by the fact that you have Cam Robinson, who was under a franchise tag. Are you going to sign him to a long-term deal? If you sign him to a long-term deal, are you wasting a number one pick if you take another offensive lineman? If you say yes, then you go to the pass rusher, then which pass rusher is going to give you the value that you want from a number one pick? Because remember, when we think about the number one pick, in your mind, you want to envision this guy being a gold jacket guy, right? The closest thing that we have to it, like Tony Baselli just is being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I want to say he was two overall, but that is the standard by which you should measure this pick. And the guy that you hand the card in, in your mind when he walks across that stage, is he someone in 15 to 20 years you envision him being called to go to the hall? That's how the standard should be. And so that's how you got to kind of base it when you're looking at these guys and giving these grades. But it, if you don't believe that that's up there, does that change your thinking? And, and, and just to clarify, I think we all sort of think that the four are uh, Trayvon Walker of Georgia, Aiden Hutchinson, Michigan, Iki Aquanu of uh, North Carolina State, and Evan Neal of Alabama. We haven't really said that yet. But, feels that's the general consensus. Yeah, that's what you sort of think. And, yeah. you know, maybe Thibodeau's in the four. Maybe, you know, I, but I think it's those four. If you look at it and realistically don't see gold jacket guy, Buck, does that change how you think about this? Or am I getting too far out there? No, so it goes from if you don't think he's going to be a gold jacket guy, is he a guy who can be a Pro Bowl performer? Can he be a top five player at his position in a reasonable time frame? In three to four years, can we talk about player X being in the top five of his position, being widely celebrated as one of the best players in the National Football League, playing the position that he plays? That's how it should be evaluated. Does he have the tools? Does he have the ability to put up the kind of production that would warrant him being in that conversation as a top five player at that position. So, so yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing in a way that the Jaguars who I think a lot of fans would say to you, the Jaguars never get a break. Well, mm-hmm. they got the ultimate break last year when they got the number one pick with mm-hmm. maybe the, has there been an easier pick? I mean, it's got to be one of the top five easiest picks of the last 25 years, Trevor Lawrence. You could have turned that in in December if right. you wanted to. I mean, it, an absolute slam dunk. Maybe mm-hmm. Luck was the same thing. Uh, Peyton sure wasn't. You know, yeah, Elway was, back in the day. No, there was but questions. a rush more of easy picks. Now, who knows how it turned out, but the pick itself was easy. To fast forward it, maybe as hard as we've seen since – I don't know, Jokel Fisher back in – I mean – 13, yeah. But Mm -hmm. it's amazing that it became this difficult. (laughs) It got this difficult this fast because when I hear the arguments, you know, I'll be honest, we talked about it beforehand. Trayvon Walker scares me for a number of reasons just because it feels like workout guy is an element there. Uh, That's oversimplifying it, but that's the thing that scares you. I like Hutchinson because I, I feel like he's safe. You sort of feel like Neil's safe, and you, but is Aquanu safer? You know, I guess I'll ask the scout. If you're picking, what's the guy 
who's the guy you if you take the card to the table that you lose the least sleep about until they put on pads on the regular season opener because that's that's the only time you'll know. Yeah, that's the only time you know. So so typically when you you're at the top of the board and when we talk about top five selections, so this is whether the Jaguars are picking one or they're picking five, like somewhere in the top five, like what you're looking for is a guy that is an all-pro caliber talent. And the way that you want to evaluate it is you want to look at three different categories when you just pop the tape. And this is for someone who's not a scout. This is just casual looking. So me. Do you spot talent? And so when I mean talent, when you're watching the tape, is there a wow factor to the way this guy plays? Like it's simple scouting. Like the first time you see him within – 10 to 15 plays, you should be like, wow, mm, okay, I see why they talk about them. The second part is then you want to be able to look at the tools. That is the size, the speed, the athleticism, the length. Um, does he have the prototypical tools that play at a high level in this league? So if we think about this player compared to the best players that we've seen in his position over the last 20 years, how does he measure up when it comes to the traits? So does he have the tools? And then the final part of it, which sometimes I believe is underrated, the production. Um, even though it's the draft and even though it's a projection, the only way to really understand how someone can play at the next level is the production that they put up in the past. And I know we talk about past performance doesn't guarantee future results, but you have to have a track record. Typically, the guys that were the best guys in Little League and the best guys in high school and the best guys in college, they continue to be the best guys in the pros. That, that's kind of what it is. And so do you have a long track record of being able to see this guy's performance where he was a dominant player? Yeah, you have some rarities and some oddities, like Josh Allen from the Buffalo Bills would fall in that category. But what we want to do is when you're drafting, you want to mitigate risks. So you want to eliminate all the other stuff and then get down to it. So if you're asking me which one would give me um, the most comfortable nights of sleep, I would say Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson, to me, and you said is the that since the beginning off. of this, right? Yeah, he's the one that checks off the boxes, right? When I look at him on tape, there's a wild factor because he dominated the level of competition in the Big Ten. When I look at his tools, people don't give him this, and I think part of this is because, like, um, in the evaluation process with scouts, sometimes we have a, a, a problem. Um, when we make comparisons, looking past racial lines to make comparisons, right? So there's certain words or co-words that go with certain guys that may look a certain way, come in certain packaging. So for Hutchinson, all we hear in the evaluation, try hard, effort, technique, or whatever. But when you look at the numbers, he's one of the best athletes in this draft class. His three-cone and short shuttle times, they – overwhelm some of the wide receivers that we're talking about being elite players. We don't talk about him as an elite athlete, but he's an elite athlete. So for me, of all the ones who check the box, he checks his all the boxes, wild factor, tools, production. He had 14 sacks. To me, it's a slam dunk. You take him and then the football character checks out. He's outstanding. So to me, it would be a no brainer that he could be and should be the number one overall pick. If Hutchinson had had, two 14 sack seasons rather than one would mm -hmm. there be any question uh -oh. i mean yeah. you know what i mean like it's it. it seems like people are just nitpicking the guy uh i keep going back to jj watt never had a double digit sack season in college it, you know so 
Anyway, I interrupted your answer, Bucky. What do you think? But, and another thing, Buck, it's like double-digit sack seasons in college are not – they don't grow on trees. It's not like every guy can go do those. Like, those don't happen all the time, right? Right. Now, in a perfect world, you would ask me, John, the guys who, who've done it for a long time and had tremendous success, so Von Miller. Von Miller coming out of college, man, have had 34 sacks, multiple seasons of double digits. Like you can see, like when the resume is real solid – you feel great about it. Ter- Terrell Suggs, when he came out of Arizona State, was the all-time sack leader at the collegiate level. Easy to make that. And I actually learned from the guys that were there before, Shaq Harris and all those guys. They say sack production is the one stat that translates into the National Football League. Now, to your point, in this class, there's no one who has sustained sack production over multiple years. So all of these guys are kind of one-year wonders. When it comes to looking at their sack numbers, Aiden Hutchinson had a great final season at Michigan season before he was hurt. You saw flashes his early season. So you didn't really get it. Um, we think about Kayvon Thibodeau, though. It was all sub 10 sack seasons, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the, the, the stat stuffer resume that you wanted. And so all of these guys can kind of be categorized as one year wonders. Even when we go to the offensive side of the ball, whether, whether it's Iki Kwanu or Evan Neal, I can pop the tape on Iki Aquano watching North Carolina. He gives up two sacks against a guy that I don't know if he's going to be a Sunday player. But you look at the traits, all that stuff stands out. Evan Neal, Evan Neal doesn't get people excited because he's kind of steady Eddie, but there's some little things that kind of show up. And so for all of these guys, there's some things. But when we go through just that thing, talent, tools, production, to me, Aiden Hutchinson rates out above the rest of the players in consideration. Sell me on Trayvon. Bucky. Trayvon Walker, the big sale would be what he could be, meaning athleticism, um, size, his ability to change direction, the explosiveness. He is a mollable ball of clay. Depending on how much you um, value your D-line coach, um, your D-line coach has the ability to develop and get people to play at a higher level as a teacher then you feel good about what he could be at the next level. By all accounts, Brinson Buckner is a great teacher. He has a track record of having success with the guys that he's worked with. But there's no certainty with Trayvon Walker because you haven't seen him do it. He has six sacks his final season. I think he enters the uh, NFL with nine total sacks. And so when you think about someone being the number one overall pick, if you're drafting him to be a pass rusher, that's one thing because you don't necessarily have that track record. Now, he could turn out to be a Jadavian Clowney type. Jadavian Clowney was drafted number one overall. He's never necessarily had double-digit sacks, but he's been a dominant run defender. And there's value to being able to stop the run and make explosive plays and negative plays and create disruption yeah. on early down. Especially in this and so division. Trayvon yeah. Walker do that. Yeah. And I think out of this class, now that you said that, it makes – out of this class, I mean, I think Clowney overall – most NFL fans, most NFL people would say probably hasn't quite lived up to number one overall. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but at, at the same time, people who know football will tell you not been a bad player at all. And and what Bucky said, a good player on defenses and can help you. Uh, and he was banged up early in his yeah. career a lot. Out of this yeah. draft, considering this situation, meaning you don't feel like there's a gold jacket guy in that top, or, or you're not sure there is, uh, if Walker had Clowney's career, and I'm not sure how long it's been since uh, 
Clowney came out, 10 years-ish, say in that range. In a decade, if Walker had Clowney's career, would you feel good about that as a number one overall pick? I think you could live with it. I mean, here's the way to think about it. When was the last time the Jaguars had a draft pick that lasted 10 years on the team, too? Well, fair. I mean, so you you get to, yeah, Meester or somebody like that. Mercedes. So let's look at Jadavian Clowney. Yeah, Mercedes. He came in in 20, 2014. Maybe he has, I think, eight years. He has 41 career sacks. Um, he's been a three-time Pro Bowler. Uh, he has played at a level where we have how many hits on the quarterback? 105 hits on the quarterback, which that's a pretty good number. Yeah. You know, um, most of those years he's been – Above Absolutely. 19, almost 20, uh, when he's when he's played. So he's he's getting to the quarterback and creating some level of disruption. Uh, tackles for loss, which falls in that category. He has 86 tackles for loss in his career. So when we think about the way the game is played, the game is played about creating negative plays and splash plays. So the sack production isn't necessarily there, but those 86 TFLs. That's significant because it creates long yardage situations and puts your team in pass rush mode on those third and critical downs. Yeah, I think and you so can live with accounts, that. My point. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can live. You can live with that. The main thing that hits, you're not great. Yeah, yeah. What you're trying to do at the top of the board, um, because we we're down there in TPC Sawgrass Company. We just want to put it in the fairway. Like we just don't need to hit it in the water. We just want to put it in the fairway so we have an opportunity to score. And so. You just want a good player, a player that's going to come in and be a, a, a key starter and a viable contributor. I can give you those high standards of what you really want, but if the player plays at a high level where he gets all-star consideration, to me, that's a win. And for us, the way that we look at drafting of late, haven't been a lot of wins. So we just want to get a win. We want to get players that can be there for their second contract to be the nucleus of a team that eventually competes at a championship level. Yeah, I mean, Mario Williams. Right. The same deal. Sure. I mean, when was the last time the Jags had a three-time Pro Bowler? Been a minute. Maurice, I think. Been a minute. If it, if it, uh, yeah. Been a minute. Hey, the Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season as Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence lead the charge and lock in your seats at jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. We'll preview our coverage of the NFL draft after this. Welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osier. The Jags host the 2022 Duval Draft Party presented by Baptist Health. It's this Thursday starting at 6 o'clock at Daly's Place. Live draft analysis, onstage appearances. Head coach Doug Peterson, select Jaguars players. Bucky Brooks will be there. And then stick around for the draft. Our live analysis on Jaguars.com after the Jaguars' first-round pick. Bucky will be there as well. Bucky's everywhere this weekend. Register Jaguars.com slash official draft party. They may have to clone Bucky. I saw his schedule. I saw his schedule, and it's... Yeah, it's... I wonder if he has some analytics on cloning. You're going to get your miles in. Bring a pedometer. Yeah, it's it's a lot. So, um, John, you brought up something, and it made me dig. So, Mario Williams. So, let's... Use Mario Williams as as the example because I think it made me think. So Mario Williams, when he came out of NC State, number one overall pick off, in 04, yeah. right? Num- number one overall pick. He finished his career at State with twenty five and a half sacks. 
His final season, he had 14 and a half sacks, like Hutchinson. He had 55 tackles for loss and those things. So then he goes to the pros. And, you know, it's funny because people talk about him like he, he really didn't do anything. But then I look up. He was a four-time Pro Bowler. John, he finished with 97 and a half sacks wow. yeah, he was in a his career. He was a much better player than people he had, give him credit for. Oh. He had five seasons with double-digit sacks, 14, 12, 10 and a half, 13, 14 and a half. And so when we talk about him, he does fly under the radar. He had 121 tackles for loss. That is a perfect example of one that doesn't sound like a home run, but, man, I think everyone would sign up for that kind of production from a guy on the edge. Yeah, that feels like Hutchinson to me. Like the 42nd most sacks of all time. I mean, (laughs) seriously, I'm looking at it. Like, obviously, Bruce Smith is is number one. It also shows you the cruelty that can go along with being number one overall. If he'd Mm -hmm. been number two overall, he's probably perceived his entire career as a really good player. Mm -hmm. But because he was taking over Reggie Bush and Vince Young, and it was a lot of controversy when he came into the league, and he was probably yeah, that, a better overall player than those two guys in the league. Yes, I think by all accounts, he was a better player. 97 and a half sacks, that's big-time production. Who else was taken in 04 around him? Uh, you know, I think – and I know that was the Reggie Bush thing because that but was – But those were the two. Those were the two big ones. It was Reggie, it was Reggie Bush. It was uh, <laughs> the Matt Leinart draft. Jeez, um, let's look at – Hang on, I gotta pull this up. This is uh Yeah, it's Maury Williams. Hmm. Well it wasn't the 04 draft, because that was Eli. Uh, 05 so, then, right? Or... Man, <laughs> some, some live research yeah. here. It's been 06. This and 06. Wow, okay. 06, Mario one, Reggie Bush two to the Saints, Vince Young to the Titans. The Brickishaw Ferguson, the tackle from Virginia to the Jets. A.J. Hawk to the Packers, the linebacker. Vernon Davis, Michael Huff, Dante Whitner. So he's probably the right choice. I mean, <laughs> Matt Lyman, I mean, Ernie Sims. I mean, you look at, you're looking at all these guys. Cameron Windley. Um, not a guy. Mercedes Lewis for the Jags. Yeah, how about Mercedes yes. should have gone number one overall. Yeah, we, I mean, we look at Tamba Ali. He's a good pick. Right, I didn't Bobby mean to get Coppin us that far man. off track. That was just the point. I mean, <laughs> the point is, that? Uh, at that position, you may not necessarily be getting a dead solid lock Bruce Smith walk in the hall player, but if you get that level of production out of one of these guys, uh, then that's okay too. And that's probably more of a comp than Miles Garrett. How about yeah. that? Out of this class. So, anyway. Thanks to some dead air, we got to that point. That's okay. Well, uh, we can edit that out. Right, it's a idea. podcast. Right. Um, hey, so coming up this week, uh, we've got plenty of coverage leading into the NFL draft. Wednesday drive time, 11 o'clock, uh, John, tomorrow on uh, Jaguars.com. Yeah, we'll have Brian Sexton from Las Vegas on the air. and uh, If you can get him off the craps table. Well, well that's fair. That's fair. That's a problem at some point. But, uh, yeah, so uh, there'll be that, and then we'll be uh, swinging away for – a double on draft night. Yeah, we got, and then Thursday, we got a happy hour at four o'clock, our normal hour live radio show. And, and Trent Balky's going to join you and, and uh, tell you the pick, right? That's exactly what right. will happen, right? Um, and then uh, the draft special on television from 7 30 to 8, not on television, excuse me, jaguars.com.
And then the draft radio special from 7 to midnight on 1010XL. Um, and then we'll be live after the pick, immediate reaction, and we'll be at the draft party on Thursday night. That's a long night. And then, of course, Friday, uh, whoever the pick or picks are, come in for their press conference on Friday. Either usually. Friday or Saturday. It could be Saturday the, the, this yeah, year. That's a good point. Because uh, if they're in Vegas trying to get back here from yeah. Vegas on Friday in time, okay. it, it is difficult. So I'm told that that press conference, depending on player, just so people know what to expect, depending on the player and where they are draft night, that presser, the introductory presser, the, it is always fun. It's always a big event. Will either be Friday or early Saturday morning. Okay. So. We'll, we'll figure that out. Of course, after uh, the wrap-up each night, we'll have the wrap-up podcast at the end of each draft day on uh, the official Jaguars podcast network and jaguars.com. Hey, Bucky, uh, what do you have left on NFL Network to get done? What, or is the hay in the barn here? Uh, the hay is pretty much in the barn. I found my last mock draft um, there with the Jaguars picking um, number one overall. So oh, you're not going to say who? Oh, you want me to say? You no, I mean, share? it's up to you. That's a nice teaser. I get it. When's it when does it drop? Jameson when, does, when does it drop? I wish it could be Jameson I do too. No, nah, man, I went I went I went the conservative route. I went the route that John and I talked about way, way, way back at the combine where they took an offensive tackle. But the offensive tackle I picked was Iki Kwanu. And the reason why is because when you listen to Doug a couple of times, Coach Peterson has talked about hey, man, the thing that you can't do is you can't miss on this pick. And that number one guy has to be a starter. And there are more ways to ensure an offensive lineman to start and be functional than a pass rusher. And so when you think about Iki Aquano and the current construction of the offensive line, day one, you can put him at left guard. You can put him at left guard. He can play beside Cam Robinson. You can go play. You got Brendan Scherf on the right side. Whoever you want to start at right tackle, whether it's Taylor, whether it's Walker Little, you feel good. You have a center. And now one thing you can be, you can be, pretty bad up front in terms of being able to move, like badass up front in terms of being able to move people off the ball. And then depending on what you do with Cam Robinson, if Cam Robinson is signed to an extension, then maybe Icky eventually moves over to right tackle. But either way you have options. I just think you have to go back and look at the coach's DNA. When they won a Super Bowl, they had the best offensive line in football. They had Lane Johnson on one side. They had Jason Peter on the other side. They had Jason Kelsey at, center and they were able to do whatever they wanted to do running and passing because they can control the trenches and you can't tell me when you have a talent like you have in trevor lawrence that you don't want to continue to upgrade it look at all the people that have come in to help him in the passing game we'll continue to do that by building a fortress in front of him now you can go play so instead of thinking about building the team up in a balance aspect be great on one side of the ball and the easiest way to get great is commit all your resources to upgrading the offense so at least you can score points, and maybe that gets you to a competitive level, and then you can attack the defense the next year. You know what we might be doing around here on Thursday, JP? The Icky Shuffle. Oh, wow. See? <laughs> I mean, See what you did there, John. Well, after listening to Bucky right there. Mm, makes sense. It, it might be the Bucky and Icky show. It makes sense. I'd watch even that. Though he went to that. Even though he went to that other school, I'll forgive him. If he comes in and plays at a high level, I'll let him earn. I let him earn off some of those demerits that he got for electing to go to North Carolina State. Growing State up in Raleigh, Carolina. were you an NC State fan or a Chapel Hill fan? Absolutely not. There really? is nothing about NC State that appealed to me ever. I've been a Tar Heel through and through. Nothing. Even about before NC you went State. to. Wow. Yeah. Grew up uh, from 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 birth. Grew up. There is nothing about that little school. At least I can refer to it by name. I don't have that. 
the school up north or whatever some other schools refer to their own. Did Duke not not let you in, Buck? Is that what happened? (laughs) (laughs) I've been taught taught that you never say no comment, but I don't have a lot of commentary on that one, dear John. I love it. I love it. That'll do it for our podcast today. Bucky, we're looking forward to seeing you down here in Jacksonville. Stay caffeinated, and we'll uh, see you in a couple days. Absolutely, man. You guys have fun. That's Bucky Brooks, John Osier, for Joe Fortunato. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thank you for listening to the Huddle Up Podcast.